0: almost here, round-the-corner technology. And today I'm speaking with uh, Jim Handler, uh researcher on artificial intelligence at Rensselaer Polytechnic. How you doing?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: Yeah, thank you for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Um, so just to start off with, you know, just so I don't bungle it, what what kind of research are you doing in, in AI specifically? What are you working on right now?
1: Sure. Well, I've been in the field for many years, Um and so i I've had a lot of students doing a lot of different things right now. I'm doing a lot of work looking at uh artificial intelligence in its relation to the world wide web. I was well known for some of the early work in that area about fifteen years ago, and so I've been starting to come back and look at how the whole sort of new approach to a i and what's available on the web is letting us go in different directions and uh Doing some stuff with technologies like Watson and and related technologies, and then we're looking at some applications of that kind of work in healthcare and other areas. Okay, anything um, specifically you can talk about, or does it all have to be uh, you know, kept? Secret? No, no, no. It's uh, I'm you know I'm, an, I'm a university faculty member. I think it's me more happy than talking about my work. Um, mm-hmm. a, a lot of the interest is that artificial intelligence technologies have really been, a a lot of the stuff you hear about in the big data world really is coming about because the web can collect the data on people, from apps, from things they're doing, et cetera, et cetera. Then AI can turn that into useful information, which is then feeding this sort of revolution. But trying to understand sort of what information it gets right and wrong, how to organize that information, how do you bring new information into the situation, and then how do you integrate that with with information you know about. So in the medical domain, for example, we have thousands and thousands of medical records. Then we have what people are doing on the web. We know that sort of uh, buying behaviors and things like that can predict, um, you know, medical conditions, but we don't know how all of them, things like that. So we're really looking at a lot of things across that spectrum. Okay. So
0: what uh, I'm sure there's tons of urban myths and misunderstandings about AI. Mm-hmm. It's a very broad question. What's possible? What's fantasy as of right now? You know, sure. Beginning in 2017.
1: Sure. Well, you know, I um, I like to start answering that question by pointing out that when I was first getting into AI, I've been doing it about 40 years now. Almost all the books wow. coming out were explaining why artificial intelligence was impossible. And then we, sh- and that's why we shouldn't do it. And now oh. the books coming out are saying it is possible, and that's why we shouldn't do it. And what I say is we're somewhere in the middle between the two. <laughs> so we're seeing a lot of applications of AI, but they tend to be in fairly narrow domains. And I think we'll see many, many applications coming out. Um, almost creating you know, a, a mosaic or a checkerboard of many different little things, but where we still are struggling is how to put that all together. So I think we're going to see a real huge jump. You'll see things like, you know, I have now students in my undergraduate classes who in three weeks are building chatbots that used to take uh, years for a graduate student to do. We have um, doing vision, perception. So more and more tools are becoming available. So instead of having to start from scratch, you start from a toolkit. And I think we're going to see a lot of innovation in that space. But to really push those tools to the next level is very, very hard. still requires a major investment, uh, a lot of research. So I think what we're going to see there is much more – partnerships between universities and large companies, Google, IBM, Microsoft, uh, as well as you know federal funding, depending what happens with that in the U.S. and abroad. But, um, you know, it's pretty clear that there's very hard long-term problems that need to be solved, but that we're going to see a lot of short-term applications just all over the place.
0: So what are a couple of um, applications that you think in the next couple of years that – AI will be able to handle, and what are a couple that are probably fantasy or way far out? That will be very sure. difficult okay, for a machine yeah. to handle.
1: Well, you know, it 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 really has to do with specific versus general, and it's sometimes hard to tell where the line is. So to give you an example, i I, I know of a company that's looking at um, for years. They've been trying to help. Uh, People who are evaluating uh, the the worth of houses, both and again, they have a lot of different markets. And I won't go into details, but you know, how much is this house worth? How how is it structured? How big is it? Things like that. Now they're doing a lot of that by just sort of taking the images and feeding them through an AI system. So suddenly they can do things they've been doing for years, but they can do them faster, cheaper, at a much greater speed. They now send the guy, takes three pictures, and, and, you know, they can build the models where that used to take, again, you know, days for, for each each one they can now do in minutes. So it it's changing that whole landscape. But, but again, that, that's not sort of saying it understands houses and how they look and how to model them and who lives in them. Um, I often use the example, there's a, a famous picture of a child, a chair, and a dog, and it's shown that AI has correctly labeled them. And I say, you know, if you ask the question, which one of these could grow up to be a computer scientist, right? AI could right now tell you the the baby because it's the only one that's human. But if you ask, what should it do to get there? That's much harder. You know, that kind of projecting through time, understanding plans, understanding the interactions between people. So I think what we're going to see is many, many, you know, the way to think about it is many, many specialists – but still needing humans in the loop to be the generalists and i think it's still fantasy to think about ai that's going to really be able to be this very general thing that's going to help you do everything you do as opposed to specific ais that will help you with particular problems
0: yeah i think the futurist kevin kelly said that um people are going to work with machines as their you know as as an advisor, instead of the machine doing things for you. I think that seems to be what you're saying, right?
1: Well, it's a combination. So it's, um, you know, there's cases where there's a whole bunch of data out there, and I look at it in the spreadsheet. I can't do anything. The machine can say, hey, these things all have something in common. You should pay attention, but it still can't tell me what. And then I look at it as a human, and I say, oh, you know, those are all people who have this disease and not that disease. I wonder if that's somehow involved here. Hmm. So so again, there, there's this combination of sort of our ability to do this, let me call it broad reasoning, and AI's ability to do very deep reasoning. And the, the fact that we can now put those together, we still need to work very hard on how humans and AIs are going to – Indirect. that the term social machines is used for that. And in fact, that's an area where I've been doing a lot of work now. We just recently published a book on the topic.
0: So, yeah, an AI is a broad term. I've heard machine learning, deep learning, neural networks. I mean, all these buzzwords. Yep. Can you give just a brief overview of what the major terms that people are throwing about mean and which ones sure. maybe are misnomers?
1: Sure. Well well the whole field of artificial intelligence has always been, you know, a funny name because what did it really mean? And that started in nineteen fifty six. So that's that name has sort of been around a long time and we're stuck with it. Uh, machine intelligence is sometimes used to just separate, you know, sort of if you were doing it by chemicals versus if you were doing it uh on a computer. But I think the the larger issue is sort of a lot of these things do have technical meaning. So, for example, machine learning is a large field with many, many areas, uh, many, many techniques in it. Deep learning is one technique within machine learning, and um, neural networks are the particular technique that deep learning extends. So essentially, you really need a taxonomy or something. It's not It's not really trivial. Um, you know, we, t- we teach AI courses, and a lot of what we try to teach the students is to understand the differences between these things and that if you pick up a tool and use it to do something, that's great, but if you want to really understand how the tools work and how they interact with each other, that's much harder. And And what's always been a trick is that these things have human implications. So if I tell you that a human is good at learning one thing you kind of assume in the back of your head that someone who's good at learning is good at learning across the board. You know, my, I say that guy's really, that guy's an incredible medical specialist. This is like the best heart doctor. You're going to sort of assume that's a smart person or a well-trained person or something with a machine that, that was the best heart doctor. Minute you move over to the next thing, you know, how do you get to work in the morning? It can't answer. So, so again, we have this – it's not really that the terms are wrong. It's that it's when we put our social implications on them, learning is a general process. No, for computers, it's a very specific process. Data and information are, are used interchangeably in our world. In computing, those are very different aspects of things. And so there's a technical vocabulary for AI that unfortunately uses many many very common words like deep learning, like neural networks but um the key is they're technologies and and they come in packages, so it's like you know when if you say, "Is the hammer the right name for this thing that drives nails?" the answer right. is well, that's what we call it and then the question is what are really its features? what makes it a hammer and more importantly, if I have a nail to drive. You know, can I use, and I don't have one of those, what else can I use? So 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 AI has really been a, a field that for many, many years has been misunderstood and what happens is we reach a certain level of competence, people get very excited because yeah. they assume that if we can go over this part of the hill we can get over the next one. And again, right. it's using that human analogy that doesn't really work for computers.
0: So what are some of the what the just two or three useful concepts that you see when students learn them, they really get a good handle, at least, you know, better than a lay person on AI. So what's like a, you know, for listeners, what are a few core concepts that would help them to understand it?
1: So I think, um, so, so, this has been changing a lot in the whole way, you know, I mean, I, I, I look at the AI textbook from even two or three years ago as already sure. outdated because we're in a period of very rapid change. But it's really, again, this issue of the technologies versus the the general competences. So when um, I teach a cognitive computing course, which is, again, a, you know, why aren't we calling it an AI course? Well, because we're looking at a particular part of, of the field, but what we tell the students there is a lot of what we're doing in this field in this subfield is taking pieces of things that have been separately developed and figuring out how do you put them together to do something better so you can get your hands right now on some piece of um code where you give it a lot of images and you say these are cats and these are dogs and now it can tell cats from dogs but then and here's another one where you train it in in conversations and it seems like it's carrying a conversation. But now we say, supposing you want to look at a picture and then carry on a conversation. About, well, that's much harder. That requires integrating these different capabilities. So a lot of the key right now is that the learning technologies are the ones that are advancing the fastest. But there are these things behind it, planning, so thinking about the future, how do you project through time, um, right. uh ways of interacting with data, perception, problems that aren't just vision. So again, what do you see right? What's in this picture, but why? So, so AI is getting much, much better at the what the and, and still isn't very good at the whys. And so that's kind of how I start my class. And then we really drill down into what's going on in that. The other thing that I, I think the sure. other really big thing is how much of this AI breakthrough is dependent on what people do. And you know the simplest example I can give you of that is that the Watson program that you know, beat the Jeopardy experts a few years ago and really was the thing that I think brought a lot of new attention to artificial intelligence, uh, its number one source of information was Wikipedia, which is all articles written by people. Yes. So the AI didn't write the articles it didn't learn the knowledge it 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 read the articles and it it answered the questions and so again understanding sort of the difference between creating knowledge integrating knowledge answering questions these are very subtle differences to mach- at a at a deep level to machines where again we as humans think about all these things together
0: So for instance um it
1: was Watson that won Jeopardy,
0: right? I mean, it was mm-hmm. Watson. Mm-hmm. What um, What did it use to uh, take Wikipedia and distill it into its knowledge base? Was it natural language processing, or like what was, uh, buzzwords or terms hard, did it used?
1: Yeah, sure. So there were so. So I teach a <laughs> I teach a class on this. Um, it's not an easy answer, but it used many different technologies, and that's really the key. It, it 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 built first of all this general kind of stuff. So, given a sentence, can I figure out what the sentence is asking? Me? So, if I said she was the prime minister of Canada in 1997. That would be a very different answer than if I said he was the prime minister because it turns out that particular year, I think it was 97, Canada had two prime ministers, one of each sex. So so that becomes a key word, right? It is the uh, – so, so very often to understand the question, you're looking for what is the subject of the question. To get the answer, you're then taking many possibilities and you're trying to match them. So what Watson did is a sort of fairly deep analysis of what is the question about, but then a huge, broad looking for what are all the possible answers. And then it ran many, many, many different uh, little little programs, each of which tried to say, hey, I'm an expert on one thing, and I, I this is my vote for the answer, right? I would give this guy a high score or a low score. And then it used many, many of those to train over time sort of which of those little programs was best in which categories. So again, it, it, it's many, many little specialists being integrated by some kind of learning algorithm. And that's really a lot of what the state of the art is these days, is still trying to figure out how to do those kind of things. Okay, so. Maybe for a
0: – what example do you think you could explain in, in some detail best? Um, <laughs> machine vision or natural language processing or, you know, is there a subset that you could really yeah. break down for our listeners so they
1: can well, understand you know, what how I, it what works? I, I would, yeah, sure. So I would say that, um, you know, for how it works is hard. I mean, these things are, are deep technologies. But, but you know, vision right now is working through this kind of network of, of, of learning. So um, When a computer sees either a picture or a video, it's changing, I think we all know now, what it sees through some kind of camera into a bunch of ones and zeros. When we look at it, we see dogs and cats and grass and trees. But what the computer is seeing is just a lot of ones and zeros. And so for years, we've been trying sort of by hand to try to teach the computer tricks. These kind of curves with these kind of things look like these Sorts of things. So, if you're looking at a person, the eyebrows and the nose are important. Um, now, what's happened is we've started saying we've started coming up with these techniques that are powerful enough to just simply say, break the picture down into little parts. Here's the things we know about what's in that picture. You, computers, start figuring out which of those little parts correspond best with which of those features over a very large space, and then we run lots and lots of examples through. So, for example, cats versus dogs. I show you lots of pictures of cats and lots of pictures of dogs and then elephants and and seals and et cetera, et cetera. And for each one, I tell you what it is. I say, this is a cat, this is a dog, this is a child sitting in a chair. And what happens is the computer is now working out all the relationships, not between those objects. It still doesn't know what's a child or what's a chair. It knows that pictures in which it saw a child had these features and pictures in which it saw a chair had those features. And it does that. You give it many, many pictures. It figures out many regularities. And then when you go to analyze it, you may discover it's discovered things like eyebrows, but you may discover it's discovered stuff, things that we as humans don't even have words for. So typically right. we have what we what, Where the real breakthrough now is what we call supervised learning, where we can give it a lot of things, tell it what's in each one, and it learns those, and then when we give it new things, it does a very good job of guessing based on what it's seen before. And we can do that with okay. words, which is how some of the speech recognition is getting much better now. We can do that with sentences and how words relate to each other, which is where some of the natural language technology is going now. But it's pretty much all the same sure. thing as seeing many, many examples and trying to figure out what features relate them.
0: How many is many? How, many? how many are necessary for a computer to be "quote unquote" good at
1: uh, identifying
0: know, it, an object or a sentence or?
1: Uh, it uh, uh, you know it, it. It's very funny. A student asked me exactly that same cla- question after class today, and I answered for about half an hour in detail. But I'll give you the fast answer, which is we don't know. Um, so, for example, when <clears throat> when we get a system that works well, typically. We're running many different configurations sort of in parallel, so we're trying it with um, more depth, so more layers. We're trying it with different kinds of inputs, and we sort of look how well it does and say, hey, you know, when we do this, it seems to get better at this problem, but then when you move to the problem next door, You don't know. Um, So, you know, it can be hundreds or thousands or millions, depending on what you're trying to do. If you just want to tell cats from dogs, a couple hundred of each is probably good starting place. If you want to tell a lot of different kinds of animals, you need hundreds of each. and You need, you know, all the different animals. If you want to know these are two elephants in Africa doing it, you start to need thousands and thousands. So the key is nowadays you can use the web, find a million articles, find a million photos, find many, many um, things. And then people have organized some of that. So, for example, there's an image bank um, that you can find online, which will say, you know, I'd like to get pictures of ducks. And it'll say, here's 250 pictures of ducks. And then for each of the types of duck, it'll show you another you know, here are Mallard's, here are these, here are those. And it's got, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of pictures in it. So, again, the web has become a place where – so my students now in their courses where it used to be, where am I going to get a thousand examples of something? Now simply just go online and scrape it, find it, download it, et cetera. Okay. Um How so, good so the have you seen – So the of the data is no longer the problem. That's really the answer. Well I guess I guess
0: the answer could be is um the more data the better or the more accurate a computer can be at, at a certain task. So how accurate have um, up, you seen computers a, up, be?
1: Up to a certain point and that's the trick. But anyway, um right. well we've seen some so so what the real break when most people talk about breakthrough in the modern AI, they usually point at an example where um, there was a set of pictures, um, I forget how many, hundreds or a few thousand And they had people on Amazon Turk, so a place where you could hire people to do tasks, go through and mark them up. What do you see in this picture? Right. Right. And and that used to be the sort of um, gold standard that was used. And if you then showed it to people and asked them, you know, here's the set of all the tags, all the words you can associate with a picture. Here's a picture, associate them all. Here's the next one. And people got about eighty-nine to ninety percent correct. So that is to say, some things that people would call a cat were really not a cat. Maybe it's a tiger. Maybe it's a dog. Maybe it, it's something where they thought there was a cat in the background. Um, and when it and when that those, that whole data bank was fed through uh, computer learning programs a few years ago, it started. They they these deep learning things beat the human. So they were up into the nineties. So they're still making mistakes, okay. but so are people. Uh when we do language techniques, depending what you're trying to do, if you're just trying to find uh extract certain types of words from scientific articles, we're up at about ninety percent. If you're saying, you know, what subject so I look at a Twitter thing and say, Is you know, what is this tweet about? And here's a hundred categories, seventy or eighty percent is pretty good. So it's really a very varied thing. But but a few years ago 20% was very good. So it's more that it's made a huge advance even though they're still not perfect.
0: Okay, but they're getting pretty good.
1: They're getting pretty good. In some cases, they beat people. But, again, but you have to train them on the thing. So you, if I showed you right. a bunch of pictures – and and they were about cats and dogs and things. I could ask you questions that weren't in the train. I could say something like, "Did you notice anything in common about?" I'll, I'll give you a great example. This is my favorite story. It's in my book. So um, okay. when my daughter was little, the first two words she learned were "cat" because we had a cat, and "duck" because I bought her a little duck toy. And for oh. you know, for a few months, everything in the world was either a cat or a duck, right? Right. Many years have passed. My daughter is now a Ph.D. student in linguistics. <laughs> right? I called her up recently. I said, "Sharon, what's the difference between a cat and a duck?" And she said, "Oh, Dad, you know, what? <laughs> you know, you're not going to tell that story again." I said, "No, you know, seriously, if you were going to tell a kid the difference, what would you say?" And she said, "Well, you know, cat has fur and four legs and goes meow. A duck is a bird and it swims and it quacks, right?" Now, right. my dog can do a better job than I can of if I put a duck or a, a cat around, uh, say, is it a duck or, you know, train it to tell cats from ducks, it can do an a incredible job. Even if I can't, if it can't see it, it can smell it. Right. But if I ask my dog to, quote, explain to another dog. How to tell cats from ducks, it can't do it, even if and I'm not talking about the words, I'm just saying there's not even a conceptual space in the way animals think, we think, to transfer that kind of knowledge. So we as people not only learn to do the recognition task, which computers can now outperform us tremendously, but also do a conceptual thing where we figure them out, and that's really the big difference. Hmm. Okay. So again, Um, these computers are getting great at telling the difference, but again, if I said, you know... uh, which one do I need when I'm doing something? If it hasn't been trained on that, if it hasn't seen examples, if there's no Wikipedia articles about it, it doesn't know the answer. And that's why we still are really looking at this world of computers and humans working together.
0: Yeah, because it seems like the computers are idiots savants. You know, like Rain yes, Man. They ways.
1: can right.
0: add up right huge numbers, but they can't tie their shoe, you right. know, or even know now, what their shoe but,
1: is. Yep. Yep. So, but remember that there's many things in the world and this is where the real impact of this is starting to happen where an idiots fund could do very well so you know we're learning about self-driving cars now and we are getting to where you know a real social innovation a real social disruption happens when we yeah. put 3 million truck drivers out of work and the cost of a self-driving truck is coming down and the cost of a truck driver is going up OK, so so the economic forces are pushing for the A.I. And if you think about right. it, driving a truck we think of is hard. But in reality, it's very easy because you don't need to do your what was the hard part of it? It was figuring out where to go. Right. It's trying to, you know, avoid hitting other things. That's just obstacle avoidance. Right. Um, you know, drive on the highway and don't don't hit things is, is really a fairly low-level task. So you and I could be driving in a car having this conversation, right? It's not taking right, most right. of our mental mental activity. So the exactly. fact that an idiot savant, as it were, could drive that truck and, and get the beer to the right place, that's not really surprising if you think about it. It's not really requiring a lot of what you or I would call intelligence, but it can outperform a human, and and we're going to see more and more of that coming. On the other hand, if, if you're going to a doctor and the doctor says, well, you know, there's a, the, the machine says, here's a test which will tell 100% whether the person has this rare disease or this common disease, a human right. doctor may say, let's wait a couple weeks and try to treat the common one because there's a nice, cheap, easy cure. But because I know this other thing exists, I might say, come back in a few weeks and let's check. Yeah. So, again, the doctor with the computer, the computer might say, you know, you might be missing this rare disease, but the doctor can use common sense and say, well, but maybe we'll wait a while before we go down that trail. Yeah. So do you think
0: um, I don't know if they call it general A.I., you know, Terminator like Terminator-like scenarios, self-aware yeah. machines, that kind of thing. Yep. Fantasy, reality, who knows? Fantasy.
1: Well, well fan- fantasy, but I'm going to put a caveat on that, right? So, the part about the Terminator that was complicated and got worse in each movie was it was more and more human like in this sort of human general intelligence. But if you actually think about the first Terminator, you know, it was kind of an idiot savant killing machine unfortunately, we probably do a better (laughs) job of an idiot savant killing machine than we can of the smart robot. And so there's a lot of us who are very worried about creating autonomous uh, military equipment and things like that. Not so much because we're afraid of it going crazy in the Terminator-like way, but because there's a lot of subtlety often involved. And you know the way the way once upon a time wars were fought by you just kill more right. of the enemy than they kill of you you win and now we go to quote surgical whatever that means you're looking at ais going back to the well you know the smart bombs not so smart but it's all by itself so maybe we just send it off to that area and we've got to you know really think as humanity to understand better what ai can and can't do and when we're going to let it pull the switch and we're, when we're going right. to keep a person in the loop?
0: <clears throat> well, one thing I thought about, for instance, with autonomous vehicles, what if there's a scenario where the car is driving along and an accident's going to happen? It cannot be prevented.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And in the accident, the computer can either decide to do something where the driver will likely be killed, or you know, three people standing on the street will be run over and killed.
1: Right. Yep.
0: Will that be calculated in? How will that be weighed? You know, um, what, what if, uh, you know, one more scenario for the autonomous cars, let's say to prevent an accident, um, the computer does something where it's going to cause the 200,000 in property damage versus breaking your, uh, likely breaking your back or something, you know, yeah. which which will it do and who will program this?
1: Well, that's, you know, that's a great question and that's the kind of thing, but, but, you know what? What you have to do is you have to project that up a step, right? So if if self driving cars are in accidents significantly less often, and mm-hmm. the kind of the kind of constructs you say where you so so you're driving and you say, hmm, you know, I can do this and I might get killed and I can do that and I might kill other people, we don't think people right. sort of stop and think it through. You 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 sit people down in a lab and you say, what would you do in this situation? you get a very different result than if you put them in a driving simulation. Right. And they don't, the they can't do not react
0: that fast. They just instinctively react. Right. And, react, and, but,
1: right. Yeah. and, and so you they don't really reason it out. Here. They do it. And very often, very often, if you could run enough scenarios quickly, there would actually be a way to do less damage to either. Right. And so, again, it okay. it, it was – so what would we do to train up the IIs on that sort of thing? We'd have lots of them driving, lots of examples through lots of simulators, watching people, things like that. But, you know, some of the technologies that are there now – so um, uh, a, a friend of mine was telling me about a car they had rented, which had one of these uh, basically stay-in-your-lane things – so they right. were distracted for a moment, and the car kind of pushed back on them and said, you're about to drive out of your lane. Gave them the choice mm-hmm. of driving out of the lane. Okay, so the car wasn't making a decision whether he wanted to change lanes or not, but it kind of said, "The you know, the thing I'm feeling right now doesn't sound like somebody's trying. But he said it didn't do when we tried to change lanes, right? So the car was sort of saying, I think you're straying, right? How many you know? How many right. accidents does that prevent? And how often do you want to trade that off with the kind of crazy, you know, very rare, complicated schemes you gave me? So, so it really is okay. a very hard area, and we're going to have to get into things like, you know, um, if it would cut the accident rate in half if most people drove autonomous cars, would we push people to drive them? Would we ask people? Would we allow You know, we're having that same problem. We have that same problem. So it's not a technology issue as much as a a human issue. Right. These. Yes. You cannot have a world of cars and people where there won't occasionally be cars hitting people. It's just, you know, it's it. it, 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 But if if the cars have AI and that can drop it significantly, maybe we want to push that on the other hand if if cars having a i would make convenience for the people driving, but the accent rate would go up, we would probably say no and and until a lot more research is done, we're not going to really know what happens the other The other thing that's really tricky in all this is if all the cars were autonomous many they they would do great. <laughs> you have a bunch of autonomous cars and a couple humans it's very hard to predict that system. It still would probably be better, but but there's a knee in that curve somewhere, and we don't know where it is, whether it's 10% of self-driving cars, 20, uh, 80. You know, when does it suddenly become safer? When does it suddenly become better? A lot of people are, are working now on trying to understand those scenarios. Yeah, maybe, I would maybe, guess that, maybe, that's a, maybe that's a way I can answer many of the questions you've asked me today, which is that the real problem is that these things are still trade-offs, with a lot of gray area, and we're looking for very black-and-white answers, and they're not yeah, there, and that's they're why understanding they're... these technologies, testing, but, but again, you know, your car breaks down sometime. We don't say you, your car must 100% of the time guaranteed, never have something go wrong with it that could cause it to drive into a building or hurt someone. Right. right? We different. say we've tested the heck out of this, and we know that 99.999% is safe. Right. If, and I'm not talking now the driver, I'm just talking the the, the device. So we can yeah. test the heck out of these AI devices. Before we're going to deploy them in many situations, we will. But the real trick becomes what happens when they move to a slightly different situation. I've trained something yeah. to drive on highways, it won't do well in the city. I trained it to drive in the city, it won't do well on the highway. What people are looking at now is something where somebody will have to say, okay, we're moving from city gear to highway gear. Okay. Right. And that may be the car that does it. That may be a human that does it. A friend of mine with a Tesla says, you know, when he drives to work 60% of the time, the car drives and 40% of the time he drives. And he says, the real trick is knowing which is which and learning that over time when to trade off. Interesting. Okay.
0: Um, you mentioned kind of like a side comment that, mm-hmm. and I've seen this, once a machine learns something, how to play, mm-hmm. you know, break out the game, yep. whatever it is, there's a point at which they st- the machine starts to do, th- do things or see things or come up with things that no human ever saw or could or, or realized. Right. Any examples of that? Because I find that very fascinating that, you know, because the machines are able to look at so much data that they come up with associations or things that uh, people never did before. So can, any sure. examples you've seen of that kind of stuff?
1: Well, you know, we we see that all the time now in healthcare research. Sure. So when we're trying to figure out what is a really good predictor of some particular disease, right? We know through the medical knowledge that at this particular point in time, this person had this um, diagnosis. So, you know, sorry, the bad news, Mr. Jones, is you have diabetes, right? How far back in time could we have looked and said, you know, Mr. Jones, you're going to develop diabetes? Of course, it's not 100%. So at what point could we have said, you're at a high risk factor, and here's a few minor, but here's a few things you could do to fix that. Even better, imagine if we could be saying, you know, given what you're buying online these days, maybe you should know that you're starting to raise your risk of having diabetes within the next couple of years. I mean, those are the kind of scenarios people are talking about now. Now, we can't do that using human medical knowledge. We're going to need need to integrate medical knowledge with these machine learning things. On the other hand, we probably wouldn't just turn them loose because you want – some of them aren't going to make a lot of sense. Uh, You know, I see you're buying too many of these things. Uh, I, I I can't come up with a good example because this is supposed to be something a human can't come up with an example of. But <laughs> okay, but it would be it would be some combination. Whenever somebody seems you know, we see a lot of cases where um <clears throat> fifteen these fifteen items all being bought by somebody seems to imply they're gonna do some other thing in the future. We can't understand oh, yeah. why and the computer's not telling us why. Sometimes yeah. we could look at that set of fifteen things and say Oh, you know, those are all things having to do with babies and stuff, and it predicts pregnancy. Sure, that makes sense. But other times we're saying, you know, strawberry Pop-Tarts sell better before hurricanes. That's that's a real rule, found by a computer, right? Walmart doesn't care why they put strawberry Pop-Tarts up front if bad weather is predicted. Worse than that, if they see a store where a lot of strawberry Pop-Tarts are doing, they start to look at the weather. But 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 there's no explanation of that. It just happens to be a pattern that occurs.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that comes out. Uh, but are there any specific examples? Again, whether they could be explained or not, that you've seen in in applications, maybe computer vision, anything that caught your eye that you said, "Huh, very interesting." You know, whether you understood well, yeah, it or not. Yeah, for
1: sure. Well, you know, I mean, I mean, one of the big one of the big things that happened in this past year was the. Uh, program that beat the world go one of the top Go players in the world Go isn't a game right. that for many years people have assumed uh, humans it would be years till AI did well at that in fact um, as I was writing my book in November of last year we wrote a chapter explaining why AI was so far from playing Go by hmm. by the time we were doing our first rewrites in January we had to rewrite that chapter because a computer had just beaten a pretty good human, I think the 600th or 700th. But in in chess, it took about five years from that level to when it beat the world expert, right? In Go, but, it took about three months. And, and again, well, nobody can look at a Go playing program and say, this is what it learned, right? What's more is if you took a human who knew how to play on a 19 by 19 Go board and said, let's try again on a 21 by 21 board, the human would still do pretty good uh, and a, and an ex, experts would still have trouble. The 19 by 19 trained computer, we have no idea how well it would do, but we don't think it would do very well. So what patterns do it learn? How did it learn? What what's in its head? Quote unquote, it's just a bunch of numbers, and we don't know how to turn that into Go. But if I want to teach a human to be a better Go player, I talk about patterns. I say look for things that look like this. We we use a lot of what are called Go proverbs, right? Um, big dragons have strong backs. I I don't know enough right. about Go to tell you what that means, but I know that's one of the first things you learn when you're learning Go. The computer doesn't know what dragons are and backs are and why yeah. that makes sense. It just knows when these things are in these places, this is a good place to put the tile. Okay,
0: so, all right, so you're saying machines are coming up with things we couldn't even imagine or see,
1: but First of all, they well, may not it, make. It's more sense. that we don't know what we. It's more that we don't know what they're. We don't know how they're doing it. We could. You right. misplay go. You misplay chess, but but for a chess playing computer that beats the world expert, we know a fair amount about what's going on. Actually, more than we do about the go player, largely right. because go has so much to do with images and patterns and things like that, and that's where this new technology of of AI is is doing well at. that. You know, really breakthrough over the past couple years. Again, I'm talking about vision, but the same thing in voice and text and these things. So we're going to see lots more AI being deployed, and they do very well. But you know, we don't really know where the boundaries are.
0: Any um, any show stoppers? Do you think that may come up that could um, push things back or put them off for a number of years?
1: Well, I think I think what we're going to see as the showstopper is over-expectation. So what I mean by that is, and this is the history of AI, um, you know, sort of in the 80s, a particular part of AI got much better than it had been before, and we started hearing everything is going to be AI in the future, and then by sort of the mid to late 80s and into the 90s, it's now known as AI winter. A lot of people think that as these learning systems – hit their next level, you know, we're going, to see a lar- we're going to see a very fast increase in AI capability and then a leveling out. And it's important that people understand that that leveling out isn't going downhill. But if you expect it to keep going up exponentially and it's just kind of curving down a little bit, people start to say, oh, it's not as good as we thought right right so so problem number 1 is people set very high expectations based on the kind of stuff we we talked before when humans learn one thing they're good at another thing so ais must be able to do that two is you know again my if if ai can can you know uh drive my car why can't it load my dishwasher turns out l- driving your car is actually significantly easier than than loading your dishwasher in terms of interacting with physical objects The the control system in a car doesn't require figuring out where plates are and how to load them and things like that, and then making a ham do that. Right? That's actually much harder, and moving around and things like that. But but you'd say, but if you ask a human, which is harder, you know, teaching your kid to drive or teaching your kid to load the dishwasher? Right. So so our human expectations cause us to think AIs are going to be good at doing a lot of things they won't. On the other hand, AIs are going to be doing a lot of things that human thinks are very hard. So we'll be over. The, the key is for the community to stay, keep people's expectations between the fact that, yes, a lot of new exciting stuff's happening. But no, we're not talking about that that super intelligent general A.I. that that. People talk about that, uh, you know, is gonna end life as we know it. We're we're nowhere near that. The singularity isn't coming anytime <laughs> soon, is my belief. But but AI technologies are going to change the way we live within the next decade in big ways. And it's understanding the difference between those two that's so complicated and is requiring a lot of people to pay a lot of attention. It's also going to be a place where policy, ethics, et cetera, start to come in. So governments right, that, are going to have, have to do, really yeah. start to deal with that. You know, again, um, truck dri- So I believe truck drivers are somewhere between two and three percent of the U.S. labor force, and we're talking right. about needing maybe a tenth of as many people in the, in in a decade. That just pushed unemployment up by two or three percent, and we have only talked about one use of AI. So, okay, so you know, yeah, that's, it, that's it could be really, year. really disruptive. <laughs>
0: yeah, what do you, what do you, what's a real, based on all your years in it and what you see and everything, can you paint a picture for the next five years? What do you think is going to happen? So, you gave truck drivers in the aggregate. Do you think that, as some people are saying, almost half of all jobs will go away and be replaced by AI? What do you think will happen so, in general with AI?
1: I think what we're going to see is two things um a lot a a new a new strain of automation that's going to start hitting the service industry um the cost drivers are going to be where a lot of people are going to be put out of work we're also going to see see sort of at a middle level some very disruptive stuff um what's a good example so right now a lawyer is probably serviced by a number of law clerks. You're not gonna replace those law clerks with AI, but one law clerk with a good AI may be able to now serve three or four lawyers, right? So suddenly you're talking about a very different change in the balance. And by the way, many of those people go on to become lawyers. So if if AIs can help one doctor do what four or five can do now, that's great, and and we need more doctors, but over time you suddenly start to look at that and say, wait a minute, you know, now we 're getting less people going to med school now we 're getting less, but now suddenly we don 't have the people to become the doctors. So I think society is going to go through a lot of changes. Um, people talk about it being you know sort of the same level of disruption that the industrial revolution was a couple hundred years ago and you know society will adjust the problem is it may take a couple generations and i think we're going to see a lot of change and i think i think it's going to hit a lot of different people in different ways now on the other hand um you know one of the things that keeps a, a tremendous number of people unemployed is illiteracy right i've just been involved in a project where we're we're pitching sort of uh we think ai technology properly deployed it would take a pretty big project to get there, but we could probably take a billion people out of illiteracy around the world over the next decade. So now suddenly you have a lot of people who become employable for things for for a whole different set of things. So I think what we're gonna see is a lot of change. I don't think it's all negative. We we kinda of think of it as negative. But in okay. fact, we're going to see ability to retrain people. We're going to see changes in, in just what it means to be. You know, a lot of people work now because they need it so they can have, you know, whatever the commodities are they want at home, yeah. right? It, it's not that many people who are doing it just so they can eat, but there's a lot of people who are doing it so they can have a better television so they or drive a nicer car. If If AI were to push down the cost of those televisions and cars, then the amount of work people have to do changes. The ability to do creative things that computers can't do becomes more exciting. So, so it's not you know it's not that computers are going to throw eighty people out of work and we're going to be hungry and the world's going to end. It's going to be that computers are going to significantly change the balance of how we live our lives for better in many cases and not for better in other cases, much the way that you know sort of factories did. Right. I mean, I'm actually very happy that I don't have to grow all my own food, which I would have, you know, two or three hundred years ago, perhaps. Or make your own clothes, or
0: etc. your You know,
1: you know the and some of these things are some of these things. Sorry, I used to be into the history of science. I won't go into too many of these, but one of my favorites is you know it turns out one of the most disruptive forces in the past um, hundred years was the automatic uh washing machine because it basically mm-hmm. let it it turned out it it let women back into the into the workforce uh it didn't necessarily have to be women but the number of time, the number of hours spent washing clothes was equal yeah. to one of the people in the family working now suddenly wow. it it dropped to a couple hours a week or you know whatever and suddenly that means that person can do other things yeah. and 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 you know, um several other things have fallen, and so I think AIs are going to be sort of the washing machines of the future. They're going to change that balance significantly, and some of that will be, you know, putting professional laundresses out of work, but some of that will be making the average uh household able to, as it were, have their own professional laundry down in their basement, which we all have now. So again I don't I'm not sure that's a great analogy but it's the kind of disruption we're going to see kind of really significant change in what's easy what's hard how people live and I think it's going to be a very exciting time with both of the positive and negative implications yeah, there definitely Well yeah this has been
0: uh, it's been a great interview um for people listening that want to know more about you know your book for instance What's it called? Where can they get it? How can they find out more about what you have to say about um, AI?
1: Sure. So, um, In fact, the book was written very much to answer exactly the kind of questions you're asking, but not to be sort of a categorical yes or no. It's really to say to understand the changes happening in the world, these are some of the things you have to understand. So the book is called Social Machines, The Coming Collision of Artificial Intelligence, Social Networks, and Humanity. The authors are myself and my colleague Alice Mulvihill, and uh, I have an author page. Jim Hendler in Amazon, or you know, if you search on book, there's another book called Social Machines that that's more about marketing on Twitter and things like that. So you need the subtitle, the one that includes the word artificial intelligence in it. And that's gotcha, uh, okay. Oh, people buy it because, I, I mean, we wrote it to really tell people that this is complicated stuff. It's nuanced, but you can understand enough of it to start making smart decisions, and that's really what our goal was.
0: Yeah, I see it on Amazon now. There's two, you know, a brain. One side is mechanical gears. One side's is uh, the folds of a brain, as so I see it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, great. Yeah. All right, well, again, this has been a great interview. A lot of interesting info, and I, uh, I really appreciate your time. My pleasure. And I wish you uh, much luck, and thanks for your contribution.
1: And, and you can tell I hate talking about this stuff. <laughs> <All> <laughs> yes, right. Good, let's good.
0: You've been listening to Almost Here, around the corner future technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, both to review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse